Chapter 8 of The Jay Bird Who Went Tam by Jan Breck. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Killer finally reaches Mouse Heaven. Chatter Squirrel scrambled up to the very cheapest twig of his tree, and there he hung while he told Killer all about himself. Slit throat and furred snake and mud belly were about the only things I dared to repeat. And all the time he kept whacking that springy treetop until Killer was fairly seasick. Did Tommy Peel and Louis Thompson hear him? You know he did. The hap-toad didn't try to tell them about Killer because they didn't talk his language. Chatter didn't try either. He was just speaking out his mind, and he didn't care who happened to be listening. All the same, those two little boys didn't have to know squirrel talk to understand. But it wasn't a safe thing for Chatter to do. He made Killer so terribly angry that he forgot to be scared, and he forgot to be hungry, and he forgot to be seasick. All he wanted was to hush up that squirrel. Up he came, foot over paw. Up he came, and Chatter hadn't any higher place to climb. He'd lost his temper too. But as soon as he saw what a pickle he was in, he found it again, and his wits with it. He racked until his perch had a good long swing, and then he let himself go. Out he leaped, all paws spread, sailing like a bird, then down, down. Down went Chatter Squirrel. He kept right side up, for he had his tail to help him. There was a big branch right beyond him, one good flick of his rudder, like a swimming fish, and his toes caught it. He swung right around it, like a trapeze man in a circus, scratched his nose on a twig, and then clamped his poor kicking hind feet against the bark. There he stuck with his poor little sides panting. Down went Killer the Weasel. His measly little scrump of a tail was mightily little use to him. He went toes over ears. He never so much as got a claw on any twig, because he couldn't see to catch them. But he knew where every one of them was. They whipped him and switched him from behind, and before as he whirled through them. He got a terrible spank when he found his branch, for he found it wrong side first, and went bouncing off again. Bing into nibble rabbit's pickery things. Yip, grrr, rip, tear, blam. He hit the earth at last. There he lay. For a minute, he thought he was dead. Right then. Then he began to breathe. Before he really knew what to do next, he found his legs were running, running, just like nibble rabbit runs when killer is after him and he let them go. 
past the brush pile he ran, across the clover patch, through the corn. Suddenly, right before him, he saw the stone pile. Down a crack he dove, and pulled his tail in after him. He found a little bed of dry grass. No wind had ever blown in there. But he didn't stop to think about it then. He was so weak and tired and bumped about. He couldn't keep his eyes open. He hardly hit the bottom before he was sound asleep. Now some of the field mice who ran away from Dr. Muskrat's pond before the big rain had chosen that stone pile to live in, those who didn't go all the way up to the barn. If Killer hadn't been more hurt than he was hungry and more tired than he was hurt, he wouldn't have had to smell very far to find out it was a mouse's own bed he'd fallen asleep on. The mice knew soon enough, and then of all the wailing and weeping and sniffing and squeaking you ever heard tell of, well, of course, they called a meeting. They held it outside, in the cold wind that was whistling through the stones. But not all of the mice would come. One mud old mother mouse decided to stay and run the risk of being eaten rather than go to the new dangers. And one greedy, weepy mouse refused to leave his second set of winter stores. Poor old great-grandfather Field Mouse, who's so old his ears are all crinkled, sat all hunched up with his whispers drooping and his tail as straight as a sick pig's. But he was very wise for a field mouse. Mice, said he, lifting a shaky paw, we must not think, we must run, and downwind to flee from danger, upwind to meet a stranger. So here is our road. He turned his old back to the breeze and began to hump himself along, though even a mouse wouldn't have called it running. He was lucky too for the wind blew him right into the straw stack where all the rest of the mice had settled the night. They ran away from Dr. Muskrat's pond. They thought they had found mouse heaven because the stack wasn't thrashed yet. But the mice who tried to do something different, right out of their foolish heads, you can guess what happened to them. It was in the middle of the night when Killer the Weasel woke up. The stone pile was a whole lot quieter than it had been that evening when he flopped into it, and for a minute he thought he was back in his own snack home between two stones of the bank of Dr. Muskrat's pond. Just then, one of the little mice who belonged to the fat old mama mouse who was too stubborn to leave, began to squall. Hey, what's that? Killer pricked up his ears. Where am I, anyhow? He began to look himself over. He was bumps and lamps from head to foot. His fur was torn 
and when he moved, he snapped his nose on all sorts of rolly little stones. This isn't my home, said he. But he did find that foolish mother mouse and fished her children out of their nest with his slinky paw. And he did find that greedy mouse who wouldn't leave his stores. He was sticking in a crack too small for his fat middle, with his feet kicking in the air. Killer felt quite full and rested after he'd eaten them all. Mice are very nice, he said to himself, as he picked the last of their bones. Very nice and juicy. Hunting these wood folk has got me into a claw full of trouble. I believe I'll live on mice for a while. Out he climbed and went sniffing all the trails until he found the big clear white one where the mice ran away from him. So ho, said he. Now I wonder where these fellows went to. Sniff, sniff. He went gliding off into the darkness, down the wind, hiding in every grass clump to be sure nobody was after him, until he crawled into the very bottom of the straw stack where the mice were living. How rich and mousy it smelled, if the fat grains seemed like heaven to the mice. The fat mice all around him seemed like heaven to him. End of chapter 8